Good morning, lads. How are you, Jaron and Owen? If you start the day with a good energy. Good morning, Jaron and Owen. How are we doing, lads? Yeah, good. Off the ball, breakfast. Live every weekday morning from 7.30 on your smart speaker. Just ask Alexa to play OTB Sports Radio. There's no f***ing filler. The Racing Pod on Off The Ball with William Hill. Best odds guaranteed on all Irish and UK racing. 18 plus. See gamblingcare.ie. And you are welcome to episode 14 of The Racing Pod on Off The Ball with John Duggan and Johnny Ward. Remember, we're here every Friday with analysis, race previews, tips, stories, interviews and crack. The first half of the pod each week is free to air. The second part exclusively for members. So be sure to sign up by going to offtheball.com forward slash join. For members this week, we've got a preview of Saturday's action at Haylock and Wincanton and Sunday's card at Punchestown. So subscribe now for all the juicy info. Johnny, how are you? I'm good, JD. Sad week for racing with the passing of Maureen Mullins, 94 years of age, the matriarch of the Mullins family and the late Paddy Mullins, uh, his wife, and obviously the mother of Willie and Tom and Tony and George and Sandra. Yeah, I I actually recall um, when her husband dies, Paddy, um, I remember texting Patrick Mullins at the time um, to offer him condolences or whatever, but I remember his response was more um in celebration of the life that he had and like if you if you did that for paddy you could actually probably do it twice as much for his wife um paddy was an absolute innovator um you know he was probably a man way ahead of his time i love this idea of a man of very few words but an absolute like almost like he was around before possibly as a if you believe in reincarnation, there was something about him that knew animals and horses just like like no other. And um, there's all this waffle about behind every good man is a good woman and all of that. But um, she was such an important part of that operation. And um, she uh, lived to such a good age. Um, I remember Tony joking the, the controversial Cheltenham that we were at um, where the, you know, the pandemic was breaking yes, out. 2020. Um, she was at that Cheltenham and um, his joke afterwards that the only thing she was given out about was that um, Willie had all these winners and she didn't back them and um, <laughs> she was probably what would she have been like early 90s at that stage yes. um, and I only met her I only met her on occasion but like if you watch some of the I don't think we have enough racing documentaries on TV in terms of like the the horsemen of the past and um, I think definitely the likes of before they pass on the likes of um, Kevin Prendergast John Kiley who are I suppose they're an average age of about 90 now um, or nearing it anyway um, they should their lives should be documented because they've great stories to tell but some of the footage of Paddy and Maureen going back to um, I think Satanta might have had a documentary on the Mullins on the Mullinses but anyway whatever the documentary I saw she was such a beautiful woman and you could see why Paddy um, now Paddy was a handsome man but you could see why he was attracted to her but she was um, she rode it, it was probably not, not an era maybe for female riders by all accounts she was a very accomplished horsewoman but um, if you did meet her the odd time I did meet her at the races um, or see her she was so graceful for a woman of like she, you know, of uh, the last time I was seen her, she was obviously well into her nineties, and she was literally hopping around like a woman in her sixties. Yes, and um, you know, I, I was just like condolen- sending condolences to the family, and um, Tony was saying that she, she kind of her, her last, her last, or her her wish in, recent, in later years was that when she would pass on, she would do it peacefully at her home, and um, her home was Deninga, and that's. Um, 
that's where it all began for that um, I suppose that the Kenny Carlo region yeah um, like near Gore and proper proper race in Heartland but if you haven't um, if you haven't read Patrick Mullins he's the grand, one of the grandchildren his piece in the race and post yeah, I'll, just, yeah, I'll, just, you the, I'll just quote the, yeah the start of it is just beautiful yeah and the bit in here as well she was always elegant never hair out of place she was always interested and interesting from a different area yet moving around entirely comfortable in this one she had a smile, a laugh, and a twinkle of mischief in her eye right to the very end. They don't make them like her anymore, if they ever did. Born in 1929, what a woman, what a lady. And it starts with, tick-tock goes the clock. I'm standing in the living room in Deninga. The lights are off and the fireplace is unlit, but the room is full of morning. Um, I never knew there was a clock in here, but I suppose you wouldn't hear it over the conversation. I can hear it over my thoughts, though. The roof is low because the house is old. The couches sag because they too are old. The far one has groaned and cracked ever since I can remember. And when we'd all gather here in Deninga every Christmas Eve, we'd wonder who it would eventually, uh, who it would eventually give, up, give out under. My money was always on Emmett. I suppose it won't give out under anyone now. It's a beautiful piece and... Um, people were texting me last night uh, about how good a, a writer Patrick was um, and he's one of these multi-talented people but Patrick's lineage goes right back to her and um, Paddy and um, there's a good story of the, I think it was Tony and Willie were coming back I think it was from the races at Goran maybe which wouldn't be a long visit for them and um, they'd been riding in, in, in races I think it was Goran anyway and They'd obviously lost that day or they'd lost a particular race and Paddy turned around to Maureen in the front and he said, um, your sons are going to be the death of me and um, it was your sons, not my sons. And um, look at the family they spawned. Like, I mean, Willie's dominance and they're just, they're beautiful people and she's, I I missed the funeral today. She's a massive loss, but I, I feel today... You know, you've sad funerals, but this will be a, a real celebration of uh, the life that she had. And she, you know, if you're if you're struggling through life, she's an inspiration, and she always will be. And as Patrick said in the piece, um, I think about her and smile as I always will when I do. And that's just a lovely way of putting it. Yeah, well said, Johnny. And our condolences are to all the one's family, and our thoughts are with them. And obviously, we're a month out from Cheltenham, and racing goes on. And William Mullins did a big stable tour this week and you know as life goes on but obviously it's a tough time for them they're grieving so I think the fact that there's racing at Scoring tomorrow is absolutely perfect that was that was her local track it's a real a quintessential rural track like literally in the middle of the country and tomorrow will be a beautiful day to go racing at Goran to remember her because her spirit will be there she was she unveiled the, I think she unveiled the new Wayne room in Goran only the other day like this is um, and life you know life wouldn't function if we were around forever and she has to be celebrated there tomorrow but it's so perfect that Goran is racing tomorrow May she rest in peace and as we said condolences to the Mullins family and we had I suppose the one thing I was from a news perspective I noticed this week was uh, Michael Verney did an interview in the Irish Independent with uh, Shark Hanlon and I saw Adam McGuinness in the Racing Post talking about the need to support smaller trainers more and there's no slight on Willie Mullins or Gordon Elliott or the top jumps trainers but there's a feeling maybe out there that there needs to be some kind of program to protect the smaller trainers. Yeah, the the numbers, the trainers' numbers are worrying. Um, and like anecdotally, whilst it's a first world problem, trainers will tell you they don't make money. Even Emmett Mullen said that to. I remember we we depressed day there. Was it last year or the year before? And um, he said you wouldn't want to be in this game to make money. And he's exceptionally successful. 
Um, but you know the optics for or the I suppose the, the thing for an owner is that if you and we've been involved in horses like it's it's very expensive as an owner you, you might get 15 to 20 percent back of your it's a mortgage a month input um it's a mortgage a month and sometimes more um like I've paid training fees in one month um on one horse of about two and a half grand and so no wonder I was broke after it like it's like it's really expensive so if you're investing that money yet it's the, the trainers have had to absorb all these price hikes in terms of like cost and um, sorry in terms of like feed bedding transport has gone way up um, so they've had to take all this in and I, I did a piece recently with Ryan McElliott who's the head of the trainers operation and trainers organisation and he said like trainers are, are very reluctant to increase their fees because they feel that there's a, there's a risk that they lose the horse to another trainer and um, that's a that's a bad situation to be in because um, I spoke to Gavin Cromwell recently I think he, he's in, he, he increased his fees maybe a couple of times over his career but like it's entirely entirely justified Um but you know, as Adam McGinnis said in that piece today, it's like if you if you have money and you're an owner, you want the best. And I've had a horse of Willie Mullins um, for good reason. I've had a couple of horses that were essentially no good, but they were with him because he's the best. And his this point has been made as well. What he charges is higher than the, the sort of run of the mill trainer, and I, I say that very lightly. But it's not that much more. So like, if you have a good horse, you will send it to him for good reason. Okay. And I don't know what the answer is because, like, I love supporting. I, I think you should support local trainers if you can. Like, if you're from Galway. So there might be a program at Galway, whatever. Yeah, and it's... I, I, I always think a good pot and maybe a certain parameters around a race. Yeah. But, like, gee, there's, a, there's a lot of racing, GD. It's not, it's not that there are... Like, Willie doesn't have a load of horses in the summer. He doesn't run horses actually until pretty much November, really. Like, so it's not that like, and there's a good summer program. Like Willie doesn't necessarily target Galway, for example. So it's like, there are opportunities for other trainers, but it's kind of a bit of a survival of the fittest. And the Darwinism. Darwinism. Yeah. And, and again, yeah. like if, if you, if you haven't read Edo's interview, like Edo's quite frank, he and said he, like, Edo is successful. He's a very Edo good is successful. But he's, he points it's out that like, on a long shot. well, Gordon started with next to nothing. Like yeah, uh, yeah. now, Willie came from. No, it took Willie Willens a long, long time to become a very dominant trainer. Like his first Cheltenham winner was 1995, and he didn't have that many winners to the first 10 to 15 years of his career at Cheltenham. He expanded and. Um, but success breeds success. Success breeds success. His his gallop actually, I I think the gallop that he eventually put in was a little bit of a fluke that he and his dad came up with, and he's he's admitted that it was kind of more it was there was a bit of luck involved, but his gallop gets horses very fit, and definitely like if you if you have that many horses, like can you imagine giving a horse individual attention when he or she is one of two hundred? You have to look after your family as well, and you're and and you're also a boss to all these people. So mm. you you put in two hundred horses, and to be able to give them individual attention is next to impossible. So William Mullins is is one massive massive um, aspect of his success is Patrick, and David Casey, and David and Casey, Ruby Walsh and Ruby, there. and like John um, is it John Cod? All the team he has, they, like there are clearly exceptional horsemen and horsewomen there. And if you visit the yard as you have, JD, yes. you'll attest to the fact that there are a lot of nationalities there as well. So it's like, yeah, they, well, it's a big business. It's, it's a big business. It's a, it's a business, and that, business. Like, ultimately, I think uh, we we can't lose the fact that this is business, and all business. There are some people that are more successful than others in it. And pe- people might knock the you know the fact that the government gives so much money to racing, but if if you go to rural Ireland and you go to a place like Close Sutton. 
or Deninga before it and you see the amount of staff the cars there the people that are employed in a rural rural industry like yeah. um, I can you, you can make a case for it very readily Okay so Goran Park we'll look at uh, the two big races there tomorrow on Saturday Heavy Ground for the Red Mills Trial Hurdle a two mile race a grade three 217 one of these mad train times uh, for horse racing that they have nowadays for TV purposes uh, so what's up, darling? Dreaming's free. Brilliant question. Diane to win and Langtree Lady. To me, it looks like it's between Langtree Lady and what's up, darling? So the profile for Langtree Lady, Rachel Blackmore will ride this horse. She won by 14 lengths over the course and distance last March in this grand. I think if she's fit enough, she wins, but is she? And what's up, darling? A three-mile pointer who won in the point-to-point sphere, second behind Answer to Cave on a seasonal debut. Remember, Answer to Cave won last weekend. Then he won... Uh, what turned into a sprint at Navin, and then he was fifth in the Royal Bond hurdle at Ferry House, being freshened up since then, carrying a stone more than the others. Do you see between the two, first of all? And who do you like? Um, I'd be slightly reluctant to say it's between the two um, for a couple of reasons. What's up, darling, is... Um He's one of only two geldings in the race, which is weird. And you'd think What's Up Darling is a name that you'd give a, a mare. But anyway, he, he actually is a Scirocco gelding. Um, but he's um, he has to give a stone to Dying to Win. Now, Dying to Win is a horse who um, would probably make it a test. Um, and now she might fall into, into a bit of a hole. But if he's slightly off his game, um, Dying to Win has a chance. Because Lantry Lady, like, I'd be all over this horse if the race took place... Um, six months ago or whatever not not after an absence of 343 days and a first time tongue tie like that that to me um, suggests that there might be some physical issue and now she won the first day she won she beat Silent Approach by 14 lengths and Silent Approach is actually a very good horse um, that was a best of luck to the Irish at Cheltenham Mayor's maiden hurdle just before Cheltenham last year so like 11 months ago something about her who was third um, won a maiden hurdle since and she won by 14 lengths Langtry Lady and Henry said afterwards he felt that she'd need the run but like William Hill put up prices on this we're recording this at 1 o'clock um, and I think William Hill has cut what's up darling into 13 to 8 from 15 to 8 there's a bit of 15 to 8 available I could easily see this horse going off favourite because in light of that uh, absence as much as she has all the potential in the world He's a horse that beat D Capo in a grade three at Navin. That's really solid form. He was beaten seven links and um, behind Farron Glory in the Royal Bond. It wasn't the strongest Royal Bond in the world, but he mightn't have been quite at his best that day and it was still a very good run. So um, he does obviously have to give her weight, uh, a stone as well. But in light of her absence, the market is going to... Whatever goes off favourite in this will win. Okay, in all likelihood. Okay, right. Do you know what I mean though? Like it's very hard yeah, no, to I know what you up. mean. The market, the a market. six-year-old who hasn't run in a year with a first-time tongue-tie um, who has taken on a, a better class of horse as well. So the market will get it right, I think. Uh, 3.27, the Red Mills Chase, two and a half miles, grade two, uh, Goran St. Sam, Embittered, Ivor the Boneless, Lucid Dreams and Riviera de Tell. Now, Riviera de Tell is a nice mare that ran last weekend, was second behind Allegri de Vassy. Hard to place at times, thinks she'd be suited by going right-handed. Uh, St. Sam hasn't run since September, he's seven now. I think he's a very good juvenile, second at Cheltenham and Fred Winter, but lost his way a bit. I think he's been too keen in his races. A small field will help him. A course and distance shouldn't be an issue. I think if he's fit, he wins this. Do you agree? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, th- I think he will be fit. He's can, he can be quite a hard horse himself. I suppose the 
one thing you just note the way trainers train horses here John Ryan uh, started lucid losing, dreams lucid yeah. dreams Mids, um ninth run now this tomorrow since October now he is a nine year old in fairness so he started late in life he started in March of last year he's run 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 this is his 17th run in 11 months and that's like no other trainer would do that apart from John Ryan um, though to be fair he's been very good and he is a nine year old so he's kind of making up for lost time um, disappointed me now at Leperstown last time yeah he, he was but like you, you can't he's in and out you have to forget, he's, he's going to be in and out if you run a horse that often yeah. I think we'd be in and out if you were running every second day <laughs> do you know um, Saint Sam you cycle every second day yeah well yeah sometimes um Saint Sam you say going right will suit the mare it'll suit him as well he can't jump right he's a very good horse in his day and I still I, think there's, a, there's something in this horse I haven't given up on him I think he could do something in the game Saint Sam yeah, he's only yeah. 7 as well Like so yeah. he's he's um, obviously the last day we saw him he fell behind um, Visionary and that was in September and he's given time to get over that he can be hard on himself um, but Riviera Detel I think she had a very hard race behind Allegory de Vassi, the Mullins train winner at Nace um, Paul Townend was very good on her I thought she, she did run really well I, I wonder if she better over two miles and he probably will have the class but again I'm just watching the market because we haven't seen him in 153 days and we didn't see him since he last fell good races and the two races JD they're like some really good winners in previous years um, I always used to enjoy Hardy Eustace won Hardy the Red Eustace. Mills that was the trial for Cheltenham in a um, four and that was Desi Hughes the late great Desi Hughes that was his he was a, kind of a creature habit with Hardy Eustace he warmed up for Cheltenham by winning this under Conor O'Dwyer and won obviously two champion hurdles um, only passed away last week was it yeah we might talk about that yeah, again. we didn't give him actually. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him again. Um, what a horse, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with St. Sam, but it's not a race we're getting heavily involved in. Ascot Chase is a grade one on Saturday, 3.35, two and a half miles. Ahoy Senior, Lampresse, Picador, he and Sail Away. The Sail Away is the outsider. Ahoy Senior can't have him ever. <laughs> he makes too many mistakes over fences. Should be running the stairs hurdle for me. I think it's between Lampresse and Picdori. Who do you like? That's not a bad show with Ahoy Senior. Um, horse by Dylan Thomas, who. Um, was a sire that ended up being a jump sire and actually has had good, good horses he'd be the pick of them um, as you say he does make mistakes JD a lot of mistakes I think he'll set this up for the closers um, whether the market should be quite as strong and non-pressy relative There's to Pictori money for Pictori today yeah but like he's you know, two, to one. 2 miles 5 on we'll talk about the ground like there's a there's a horse declared in Goran tomorrow Lark in the morning who has been uh, to the best of my knowledge anyway, has been scratched twice because of bad ground recently tomorrow will be as bottomless as it is so they must have a plan with that horse um, but it, it, you know there is bad ground in Britain tomorrow but Ascot is good to soft which is quite an outlier and that will give Pictori sort of more of a chance I think against Lompressi because Lompressi goes particularly well on bad ground but he's win over Protector Rats Protector Rats probably not quite top class um, considering he'd been off for over a year the last day I, I think it was a perfectly solid run the Racing Post analysis summed it up afterwards well it said you know it's not going to have like the likes of Gallop and Deschamps running scared but it's a good form. Well, it has Victoria running scared who are you, who are you um, going for? I, I think, I'm with Lompressi but I think um, Harry Cobden will, will get Charlie Deutsch a little bit worried I think at one point because Victoria's a very good horse he's going to travel well Um the favourite just might outstay him in a race that despite the small field if he can stay up which is a question mark um, Derek Fox is going to make this a good test so Pictori for me uh, course and distance winner Melling Chase winner at Aintree where he'll go decent jumper has won five of his last seven ran into Banbridge the last time so no a shame and defeat at Campton I think he will pick up the pieces if Lompresse doesn't fire. And there's always a little bit of uncertainty for me with Lompresse, who was a very, on his day very good horse, won the three-mile novice at Cheltenham a couple of years ago on bad ground. I do think, I slightly feel that he prefers going left-handed. Uh, he is course and distance winner now, but 
look, I think Hoy Senior in a way is key to the race in, in terms of how he sets it up. But if you're going to, I think it's almost like a 50-50 one and therefore the price is Pictori, maybe a 2-1 to one for me. Um, we're going to get into our free tire selections now. Johnny, make mine a double J. We had two each ways. We two thirds last week in Decapo Glory, who I picked up at nine to one, and you'd Union Station. Who'd you like this week? Yeah, Union Station was actually a little bit disappointing. Finished third for Gavin Cromwell. We'll talk about Gavin in the um, second half to show. Gavin has a couple of runners in the Sea Moon and Jukebox. Uh, Jukebox Jury at Burgage Maiden Hurdle um, which is a race that honours those two local stallions Jukebox Jury has gotten some very good horses um, this is a four year old race and funny enough a lot of these horses including Lark in the Morning who I mentioned a lot, well actually not including Lark in the Morning but a lot of these horses are flatbred Barrier is interesting though for me um, she is a horse by Australia um, a lot of these will not cope with the ground it's a very very good race on paper um, but Barrier um, ran very well the last day behind um, Stablemate and Dowie who I kind of fancied um, the last couple of times he's run but he did come good um, she was nibbled at at big prices and I think her proven ability to handle the ground will make her interest she could actually be an each way where is this this is the first at Gorn tomorrow so Barrier is my selection 142 at Gorn so the 142 at Gorn for Johnny Ward on the uh, racing pod this week so I'm just going to go through it here um, Barrier Jack Kennedy yeah, yeah, Jack's having an outstanding season. Um, she she does it like you're looking at some of the horses that are in the race that haven't run yet over hurdles. Um, club manager for Gavin Cromwell, who I mentioned um, last seen at Dundalk, but could be quite a decent type uh, going over hurdles. Um, a horse that did me a few favors last year, Pino Gree, very interesting. But tongue types the first time, didn't find a lot the last day. Might want better ground. Okay, that's uh, Johnny's pick for the free tire section and make mine a double J barrier. Keep an eye out for Lark in the morning as well because um, running in the Mulrine colours, they must be aiming this horse for Cheltenham, but I, I can for the life of me figure out why he's declared tomorrow. Jack Kennedy and Gordon Elliott, barrier is Johnny's pick. My one is my silver lining uh, each way in the 315, the Grand National Trial at Haydock on Saturday, 6-1. to one. This horse was a brilliant winner, this mare of the classic Chase of War class time out. She's only got 10-6 in her back. I think she's in sparkling form, a great jumper. I can't see her out of the frame if she jumps around at Haydock. Maybe the race will come too soon, but I think my silver lining to double up each way with Barrier is a really good pick for tomorrow. So this is the Racing Pod and Off the Ball. If you're listening to the free version of the podcast, we'll be leaving you here. But if you're looking for more, including our analysis of the Saturday cards at Haydock and Wincanton and Sunday's fixture at Punchestown, go to offtheball.com forward slash join to subscribe and get the full podcast every Friday with all of our racing tips, insights and stories from the week's action.